And we are back with the Geek Truth 101 Good Truth. Today I'm going to be talking about, well, the round one recap of all the series, the ones that are done and have not been completed yet. So we're going to start off in the Eastern Conference 1 8 seed. Bucks sweep the Pistons to give the Milwaukee Bucks their first playoff series win since 2001. That's 18 years. So Giannis did that. And in Giannis fashion, contributing 41 points, doing a little dishing of the rock there. And rebounding there, here and there, carrying the load for his team. And, of course, Blake Griffin didn't play games one and two, injured, played game, games three and four, still injured on his leg. He was commended for his efforts by the by the uh, Piston crowd, applauded as he got out of the game. Great series for him. And he was the only reason why they were in the game for portions of games three and four. But, overall, the Pistons are just not a good enough team especially without Blake Griffin there. So my concern, and, and I'm going to be doing this for all the teams going forward, aside from the ones that are obviously eliminated, like the Pistons and the Pacers going forward, but my concern with the Bucks, there aren't really any. Maybe inexperienced deeper in the playoffs, but is that really a concern with Giannis there? Not really. Not really. Moving on. Two seed. Seven seed. Toronto Raptors, Orlando Magic. Yes, Toronto did have that little slip-up in Game 1. I said they would have a slip-up. I did not expect it to be in Game 1. However, they are not turning back anymore. They will definitely take this game, Game 5, in Toronto. I doubt that they're going to lose that one, give it back to the Magic. And there's no more Kyle Lowry scoring zero points. He's scoring more than zero points. Kawhi is going off. Pascal Siakam's having career nights, night in, night out for them. He got 31, uh, no, not 31, 30 points in game three against Orlando Magic in a winning effort, of course. But surprise, now for me, the surprise player of the series is not Pascal Siakam. He's playing great. He's been playing great. But it's actually Terrence Ross of the Orlando Magic. Because he's been playing well uh, at several times. And eventually, Boosterbish got loose eventually, but it was a bit too late. But Terrence Ross has really been carrying the offensive load when. Aaron Gordon and, and Vucevic have not been playing well. He's made clutch shots, and even though they haven't won, it's been really cool seeing him do that. However, they will be eliminated, so I'm not going to really talk about them. My concern with them, I mean, with the Magic, is just they're not that good. Now, for the actual team that will win that series, Toronto, my concern with them is that a young Pascal Siakam, I know he's good, and he'll probably win sixth man of the year. He's my pick, at least. My concern is that he's the second best player on that team. They need Kyle Lowry to be the sidekick, not Pascal Siakam. Siakam has to be that third option. Kyle Lowry has to be the second guy to Kawhi Leonard. Otherwise, they will not win. They might win against Philly. Three seed, two seed matchup in the semifinals in the conference. But when it comes to the conference finals against Milwaukee or Boston, they need Kyle Lowry to be that second guy and Pascal Siakam, with less experience, to be that third go-to guy. Now, for the drama, maybe the head of the drama, but the main event of drama, even though it's pretty much been one-sided, 76ers against Brooklyn Nets. This is 
kind of similar to Toronto in the sense that they uh, dropped game one and haven't looked back since. But there's been so much drama between Jared Dudley, Joel Embiid, uh, Ben Simmons, a bit of Jimmy Butler there, and it made for a great TV entertainment. And to be honest, I enjoyed it, even though it was the 76ers dominating for most of the time and eventually um, running away with the game late in in, uh, in in the games of this series. Now, overall, the, se- the season for the Nets is a win. Whether or not they got swept or they lose this in 4-1 or 4-3 or take it to Game 7 somehow. But the 76ers, their win comes from going to possibly the conference finals. That's a win for them. If they don't do that, it's not a win. Now, my concern for them is that Ben Simmons needs to operate much better while Embiid is on the court because he can just the court. And that's part of the problem with him being the big guy there, is that he can just the court. And since Ben Simmons does not shoot the ball at all from past, like, 10 feet within the bucket, it's going to be a problem. He, he has to put up that 31-point performance that he did when Embiid was not there with Embiid there. And that's going to be difficult. That's my only concern with them going forward, and as well with Joel Embiid's health. Going on to the 4-5 and five seat matchup. Now, I had questions about this. I had the Celtics winning in six. They won with the sweep, and they look A-OK with team chemistry. They look all right. They didn't get trapped into this ISO Kyrie, ISO Tatum ball too much. But a lot of these games came really, really close down to the wire. Gordon Hayward played really well. Kyrie played really well. Tatum played really well. But, but a lot of these games came down to the wire when they really shouldn't have against an Indiana Pacers team that lacks severely in the offensive department. Yes, Kyrie was great. And he continues to have not lost a first-round game in his career, and part of that's due to LeBron, but part of that's also due to his own self, to contributing and being great. And he has the highest ever win percentage in playoff history. But in the end, like I said, the Pacers' offense is not great enough to overcome their defense and to win games in clutch situations when Kyrie is there, especially when all these games came down to the very end. Now, like I said, if Oladipo was there, this would be a completely different series. And I even said I might potentially even take the Pacers if Oladipo was healthy. But overall, this was a season win for the Pacers, just like it was for the Nets. Especially since they were able to get to the playoffs and compete. Even, even though they got swept, they were able to compete without Victor Oladipo. Now, I can turn for the, for the Boston Celtics is primarily their chemistry. I'm not completely sold on, I'm not completely sold on their chemistry just yet. Not just yet. And also I'm concerned with their ball movement with that going against the Milwaukee Bucks who have the best defense in the league according to defensive rating. So that'll be a true testament to whether or not this Celtics team is truly a okay. Especially since the Bucks can very easily defend against them with length, size, weight, all that stuff. Now let's hop over to the other coast, the Western Conference, the 1-8 seed. 
the Golden State Warriors, or the Dubs, strike back after giving up a 31-point lead to the LA Clippers. They have a 3-1 series lead going back to Oracle. They're going to take it in five, like I said. And, I mean, Clay jumped into the ocean and got himself going. Had 32 points, I believe, in game four. KD went crazy as well. Game three, game four, after being challenged by the media for Patrick Beverly, beating him on the offensive and defensive end for Patrick Beverly somehow getting into his head. I didn't believe it. I did not believe that for one second. KD's just trying to get in the flow of the game. But I I said, the Clippers were going to take one game from the Warriors just because they play with passion and with a whole lot of grit. A whole lot of grit. And additionally, in that game two game where the Dubs blew it, Steve Kerr should have put Curry and Durant and Clay in a lot sooner. And, of course, Boogie went down early in the game. So you couldn't get that go-to basket right there. Go-to walking bucket in the paint. And a lot of it was a lack of focus and care from the Dubs part as well that contributed to the Clippers coming back. Since you could clearly see that they didn't take the Clippers seriously early on. But now, game three and four, they were like, okay, all right, all right. We see what you guys are capable of. We're not messing around. Blow them out. Easy. Dubs are closing this out at home. And, I mean, you look at game four. The Dubs are the only team with the luxury of having their arguably best player in Steph, or even second best player, not playing well. And they still win. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't a pretty win. But they still won. Because KD and Clay went off. Now, my only concern with the Warriors going forward is just focus. Because if they have focus, it's over. It's over. If they actually care. And they don't want to try to make things interesting in quotation marks. It's over. I don't care what Houston or Utah or Portland or San Antonio or the Thunder, if they somehow escape a 3-1 series deficit or some other team from the East in the finals do, the Warriors are going to win if they actually have focus. No matter what, because they're, they're going to come up and play. No matter what, really. Because they got that talent, and all that's left is focus, and they're going to get that 3 peak. All right. Now, I had, I believe, the Nuggets in six against the San Antonio Spurs. And both of these teams are locked in, going back and forth. Right now, it's a 2-2 series. Spurs won game one, Nuggets game two, Spurs three, Nuggets four. At this point, it's looking like game seven is imminent. I still got Nuggets in six. Now, I've noticed a certain trend in this matchup. And yeah, I know it's like alternating back and forth, back and forth. But I noticed something else. All these games are decided between a specific duel. The duel between Derek White and Jamal Murray. Now, Skip Bayless says a lot that the Spurs go as Derek White goes. And he was correct. But Denver goes as Jamal Murray goes. And so this is really just a duel between both of them. Whoever plays better 
team wins. I'll walk you through it. Game one, Derek White had several clutch plays on the defensive end and was efficient on the offensive end. Whereas Jamal Murray was insanely inefficient, turning the ball over, hoisting up shots. I believe he was 8 for 24 for the game. Horrible. Horrible shooting percentage. Game goes to Spurs. Derek White, clutch, gets the plays. Efficient. Jamal Murray giving up the ball. Not efficient. Spurs win. Game two. Jamal Murray. Tons more efficient. And he made clutch shots in the fourth quarter. 19 points total. Whereas Derek White, he didn't do anything in the, in the, in the second quarter. Or not in the second quarter. Fourth quarter. He was non-existent. Non-existent. Jamal Murray was dropping 19 points. And where was Derek White? Non-existent. But you look over at game three. Jamal Murray, six points on six shots. Horrible, horrible, horrible. Non-existent. Just like Derek White was in game two. However, Derek White went. Broke out with an efficient, insane breakout performance of 36 points in San Antonio. As you can guess, through this trend, San Antonio wins. Now in game four, they flipped the script of game three. This time it was Jamal Murray's turn to go super efficient from the field, scoring 24 points efficiently with a good shooting percentage. That's what I mean by efficiently. And Derek White only scoring eight points on eight shots. Now my concern with the, with the Nuggets is that they have a lack of experience. They're a super inexperienced they're a super inexperienced team. Inexperienced head coach in the playoffs, inexperienced players in, in in the playoffs, aside from Paul Millsap, and he played great in some of these games. And they ride and die by Jamal Murray and by his efficiency primarily. As well as Jokic Jokic, Nikola Jokic has to be plenty aggressive in order for that team to actually win. Now for the Spurs, my concern for them is just consistency from anyone not named DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge. This applies to Derek White as well. If Derek White consistently shows up, this team can easily go to the conference finals. Easily, even though they're a seventh seed, because they have a great coach. And they got DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge, who have been playing spectacularly. 2-2 series tie. I still have Nuggets going in six. Denver and Spurs have both some of the greatest home play, not playoff, home records from the regular season. It hasn't so much translated to the playoffs, but I still believe in the Nuggets seizing this game. He's in game five as well as game six in San Antonio and in Denver. Moving on, three seed, six seed. Another high drama one, just like the 76ers in Brooklyn series. Trailblazers against the Thunder. Now, I picked the Thunder. This is the one that was really the only one that was wrong about so far. Yeah, I might have gone like the amount of games messed up for some other ones, but this is the only one I was really wrong about. Trailblazers. They may have lost the season series 4-0 to the Thunder, but they're winning this series 3-1 right now, and they will probably win it. Game 5. Back 
Now, the whole story behind this game was Damian Lillard against Russell Westbrook. Or should I say, based upon this series, Damian Killard against Russell Westbrook. Yes, that is right. Damian Lillard has had that killer mentality and Russell Westbrook. Well, let's say he's been hoisting up some bricks of shots. Has not been great for him. He's had one good he's had one good game and that was about it. Now Dame has been cooking every single night, every single game. Thirty points, twenty nine points, thirty two points, twenty four points, blowing up in the third quarter, game three, game four. They may have lost game three, but you know, he still did great. Twenty five points in game three in the third quarter, fifteen points in game three and no. Fifteen points in game four. There we go, got it right. In game four. In the third quarter, with T.J. McClellan carrying the load later on in that game. And T.J. McClellan has been doing great as well. 24 points, 33 points, 21, 27 points. And as well as a great fourth quarter performance in game four, carrying on Lillard's work from the third quarter into the fourth quarter with 13 points. The only game that the Thunder really won was game three. Thunder won when Russell Westbrook was efficient. That's a key word, efficient. By efficient, again, I mean good shooting percentage. I do not mean hoisting up threes, praying that they go in, especially when he's not a shooter. But I mean making those shots, and they're good shots too. 33 points, 11 of 22 from the field, 4 of 6 from 3. Now, I think based off past performances from Russell Westbrook, we can see that this is clearly an, an, alum, an anomaly. There you go. Finally said it, right? And part of the problem is that Russ takes this as a me, 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 versus, versus, versus. Damien, Damien, Damien. Macho, macho. One and be one. And that has led to a lot of the Thunder's downfall in this series. He ends up taking poor shots when he's guarded by Damian Lillard because he takes it as 1v1. I'm going to try to best you. And like I said before, he just keeps on hoisting and hoisting, hoisting them up, fucking shooting them. And he finally makes one, and then he starts going crazy. He starts celebrating all over the place after every, after every single made shot. And that shows me that his focus is not there. Whereas Damian Lillard, you can see it in the press conference after the games, especially after game four. He doesn't care whether or not he scores. He cares if this team wins. He's not looking for boosting his stats like Russell Westbrook is. He's looking for team success, even if even if it means that his stats aren't boosted. If he doesn't get the assist every single time he passes the ball. He's looking for the win. And you can see it in the Portland Trailing Blazers, in Damian Lillard, in C.J. McCollum. They want that revenge after being humiliated in a sweep against the New Orleans Pelicans. Unlike the Thunder, who seem to be content with being in the playoffs. And I'm not saying that Russell Westbrook doesn't want to win. But he sure has not adapted to the way that he has to in order for his team to win. My concern with the Thunder that Russell Westbrook does not have the right mindset. He has a wrong mindset for this team. And I'm, unsu and I'm unsure if he can be 
the number one option for a, a team to win a championship. Now for the Trailblazers, my only concern with them is when CJ McCollum goes cold. Aside from that, they got great depth at their bench. Damian Lillard's been going crazy. But not only concerned with them. Now for the last series, four or five in the Western Conference, Rockets and the Utah Jazz. The Rockets currently hold a 3-1 series lead, and they've been resilient throughout. And I really like what the Jazz have done in their defensive adjustment. Game three and game four, making sure that James Harden drives in. Rudy Gobert challenges and have someone box out Clint Capella or, or uh, Fareed in order to prevent the uh, alley-oop for an easy dunk. However, game three they should have had. They should have won that. James Harden was shooting horribly. The majority of questionable calls went their way. So it was basically a gimme. But again, this shows how ineffective the Jazz offense is and how bad it is really when when Donovan Mitchell is not there to carry the load, when he's not going insane like his rookie year. However, in game four, quite the opposite. Jay Crowder went insane in the first quarter, I believe, scoring 14 points, going 5 of 5 from the field. And there were some lapses in the second quarter, third quarter, with Ricky Rubio doing some of his stuff, uh, making some threes. But the fourth quarter was where it really ended, where the Jazz took a game. Finally, where you have Donovan, you have Donovan Mitchell going crazy in the fourth quarter, scoring 15 or more points, and Derek Favors doing great as well, owning the paint with Rudy Gobert sitting on the bench, keeping possessions alive with offensive rebounds consistently, and putback scores every single time Donovan Mitchell ran into the paint, and his shot got blocked, or he just straight missed from a contest from Clint Capella. So great job from. Utah Jazz game four, and I believe that the Rockets will still win game five, making this a five-game series, but if Utah does win game five, it will go back to Utah for game six, and I believe that they will win that, and the series will go down to game seven. So with that in mind, my final concerns, my concern for the Utah Jazz is that this is clearly a one-man offensive show in Donovan Mitchell. That's really it. Their defense is amazing, but their offense is horrible. Now my concern for the Houston Rockets is that they have an impending show job in the playoffs with James Harden doing what he did in Game 3, doing horrible, not making a single shot, and that three-point shot not going in for that whole team, especially with the Warriors coming up, potentially, probably. And if they have that same game against the Warriors, they will certainly lose pretty quickly because the Warriors will pounce on them and pretty quickly dismantle them. Anyways, that is it for the G2. Thank, thanks for tuning in. Thank you for tuning in and thank you for listening.